Relatable and accessible to everyone, even the person who like sneaks into church late, you know, and sits on the back pew. Just trying to reinforce your faith or bring you into the faith. Really, our our main goal is just to help you guys out there. Anyone trying to learn and listen in all these stories and just pick up uh, really helpful tidbits that we can all apply to our lives. This is the back pew Bible study. On to the next. So, uh, yeah, I'm just gonna hop on back in here. Yeah, so for this, uh, the next three weeks for uh, everyone listening, we'll be talking about the uh, parable of the Good Samaritan. Um, this is only found parable. in par- parable of the Good Samaritan. Um, so this is only found in, in Luke. Um, that's the only gospel that it's actually listed in. It's 12 verses total. It's, it seems like a pretty short summarized event. Yet, as you see, we're going to go through this. There's going to be, again, like we mentioned in the, in the first one, the onion, the layers, right? So the first thing I just wanted to like, quickly touch up on here is like, what is a parable? I'm sure most of the listeners or some of the listeners already understand this, but I just want to just kind of touch on it slightly here. Uh, so a parable is just a simple story. It's a simple story told by Jesus that has a spiritual lesson, but it's like an earthly meaning behind it. So it's something that's super easy for everyone to understand and follow, but it has all those layers of like spiritual and moral depth to it that we can still today draw from. There's around 40 parables total within the Gospels. Some claim there's more. Um, I'm going with 40 because that's the most reasonable number I could find, but they're all profound, theological, full of doctrine and stuff like that. They're they're, uh, a lot of fun, and you're going to see that as we go through these this month. And then the last thing I think is pretty neat is the actual word parable itself. What it means is to it's something to throw alongside. Literally, that's like the actual definition of what parable is. So it's like when we tell a story to our kids and we're trying to get them to understand something, we throw along an analogy. Same thing a parable is. Yeah. Same exact thing. It's just Jesus, to try and get these worldly people to understand things, would just throw alongside this story to help them understand it. So mm-hmm. thought that was pretty cool. So I threw that in there for you. You're welcome. You're welcome <laughs> for the quick tip. Tip of the day. All right. Tip of the day. And then, uh, yeah, so then, like I said, it's it's just only found in Luke. Uh, Luke chapter 10, 25 to 37, so 12 whole verses. About six of those actually covering the uh, the parable itself. And for everybody listening, you are about to be graced by the man himself reading a story. We should, we <laughs> should, like, laugh. We should do like a reading rainbow. Do you guys remember reading rainbow? No, I don't. No. You might be the only one, John. How do you enlighten know us? Reading, reading Rainbow. It's like when you're in like elementary school, the Reading Rainbow. How I was too poor for that, probably. Yeah, I'm 37 almost, dude. So you definitely. How old are you? I 33. I did. Yeah. I did hook, 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 hooked on phonics. No, <laughs> dude. It's not. It was like a, it was Rainbow like a thing where like the teachers like had uh, too long of a night the pro- night prior, and they would like wake come in with their big coffee mug and they'd just be like watch the TV and they'd put it on. And it was like. Nah, dude. Oh, my mom nah, taught man. me, dude. Uh, my mom. I was homeschooled uh, up until eighth grade, and then I went to high school for sports reasons. Huh? <laughs> no way. Yeah, yeah. You'd never know it. You were, were you homeschooled? Um, I was homeschooled my last two years due to um, high school asking me not to come back. We won't discuss that. That sounds like a future episode, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe Matt giving his testimony. Yeah. All right, well, hopping right into it, um, I'm Nate. It's great to be here. So, Matt, thanks for that introduction with the parable, especially throwing alongside. I'd never heard that before. Uh, that's like what it actually means. So getting into it, Luke 10, 25 through 37. So what I'm going to do is um, not necessarily read all the verses, but kind of just kind of double kind of there. But break this down, making it 
maybe uh, a little more easy to understand. And then we'll stop along the way and basically just point out things that we think are interesting and uh, maybe foreshadowing uh, what we're going to talk about in the next episode as far as wrapping things up and just biblical application, especially like, all right, how does this parable pertain to us in the real world? Like, how does it pertain to us right now? We serve a God who is never changing, right? He's the same God, the same God that like brought this parable up is the same one we're worshiping now and learning about now. So without further ado, getting into it. So Jesus is talking to a lawyer. So a lawyer in this time and an age, if you will, um, not necessarily a trial lawyer, how we might kind of view it um, nowadays, but um, really one who interprets the law. Um, so Sadducees and Pharisees were kind of these people, you know, they thought they were very, we'll say haughty, kind of better than better than you, um, was kind of their attitude. And uh, they always were trying to trip Jesus up, uh, which was impossible because he was, he is omnipotent and omnipresent and omniscient. <laughs> Good so, words, uh, big words. Yeah. Whoa, so I mean, big he, words. you're not going to trip up Jesus, uh, hey, but he, they certainly tried and he made him look really dumb. <laughs> um, so he poses a question to Jesus. He says, uh, what is written in the law and how do you interpret it? And Jesus said, thou shalt love the Lord. I'm sorry. I got that backwards. Oh, uh, <laughs> they ask you how you are. You just have to say that you're fine when you're not really fine. But you just can't get into it. It's early. Yeah, understand. we, uh, it's early. Um, it's really not that early. Uh, but Jesus answers this guy. He says, what is written in the law? And this guy answers Jesus. Uh, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind and strength and thy neighbor as thyself. That's his answer to Jesus of what is written in the law. Um, and he answers him and he says, Hey, you've answered right. Um, and if you do that, you're going to have eternal life. You're going to live. Um, but the lawyer went a step further, kind of, uh, trying to trip him up. And he said to Jesus, but who really is my neighbor? Um, which is a pretty simple question. Um, but again, I think there's, there's a lot of profound meaning there, um, especially today, uh, which we can talk about after the wrap up of the story. Um, but Jesus answered him and he said, and getting into the actual parable, uh, throwing alongside with our analogy here, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. So I'll stop right there. Um, this is, uh, this is actually a pretty well-known path. Um, and it's uh, wrought with thieves, robbers, um, people really just looking for a uh, quick fix. Is that is that about job? Yeah. What you guys yeah. studied yeah, for sure? Quick fix um, with with money. You know, robbing guys for what they had on them. Um, perhaps you know, in in this age as well, um, it's not necessarily all about money, but property as well. So animals, you know, donkeys, horses. Um, had a lot of value as well. So really just looking to, to rob people and get their quick fix. So this is a perilous journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. I also think it's worth noting that Jesus answered um, with this parable. He just says a certain man. Um, he doesn't necessarily define um, black and white who that man you know, was ethnicity-wise or 
you know, was he a Jew? It's kind of open for debate, but I think um, in getting to the rest of the peril, interested to see what, what you guys, Matt and John, think. But uh, basically this man is, is of Jewish descent. He's a Jew. Uh, you guys agree with that? I agree with that, yeah. yeah um, and sure. again, that's 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 our interpretation. That doesn't mean we're 100% correct. That's just kind of um, how it would play out, I think, um, and makes the most sense. So this certain man in this about 21 miles, um, again, that is also open for debate, um, but roughly most of the interpretations and commentaries that we've read, um, it's about 21 miles. Um, this man fell among thieves. Um, he was robbed. He was beaten. Um, he was stripped of his clothes. So these guys are really kind of took everything from this man, these, these robbers. In another important note, I think, when they beat him, they wounded him. That's a key word there, I think, uh, wounded. We can get into that deeper as well, but they also left this guy for dead upon wounding him. So he's holding on to life. You can imagine he's in a pool of his own blood. He has no clothes on, and he's left for dead. And then Jesus, in the parable, gets into three different encounters, we'll call it, with this Jew, with this Jewish man. Um, and he says, by chance, the first encounter is a priest. And the priest, uh, this is very short uh, in verse 31. It says, he saw the man and then he passed by on the other side. And that is it. That is all we have. One sentence. The next encounter is a Levite. And the Levite, it says, was at the place. So he may have witnessed the actual beating and blood. Uh, or he passed by him, and in passing by him, he kind of, you know, leads to the encounter. We're not sure if he observed the beating or he just is passing by. But what it does say is that this man, the Levite, looked on the Jewish man and passed by on the other side. So at the at the very least, he looked at him, maybe had a look of compassion or kind of translated into modern, modern day. He probably looking at him, he's like, oh, man, that sucks. Like... That is, that's just terrible. But again, no response. His response is passing by on the other side. And then that brings us to our third encounter of this Jewish man who is, again, wounded, lying in a pool of his own blood, and he's naked. And the third encounter is a Samaritan. The Samaritan is on his journey. He comes alongside this Jewish man and immediately what we are told in this verse is that he sees him and he has compassion right away. So it's not just like, Oh man, that sucks. It's, it's a feeling of like, wow, who could do this? Uh, how could this happen? And I'm going to fix it. I'm going to have compassion, but I'm going to act. This Samaritan went to him right away. And the first thing he did is the most important thing, right? Like we're all military background. So stop the bleeding <laughs> Uh, he's stopping, the, stopping the mass hemorrhaging going on here and he bounds, bounds up his wounds. Right. And he takes care of his wounds. And in doing so, it says he pours in oil and wine. Interesting there. I, I want to go back and I'm going to let Matt kind of expound. Cause I think it's super important in our studies. We all kind of have different perspectives, but we all know probably growing up, or if we just maybe read this story that like the Samaritan and the Jew, not, not a great relationship, but I'm going to let Matt kind of expound on this relationship a little bit more in depth, um, because it is one of, you have to go back actually a very, very long time to understand 
the Jewish and the Samaritan like relationship and just how bad it is. So Matt, I want to pass it to you for that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, um, the Samaritan. So I, I think our, our cultural norm now, you hear something, someone say like the good Samaritan. That's like, we understand that's a positive figure. That's mm-hmm. like, because of this story, actually that's where it comes from, obviously. Um, but in this day and age, when Jesus is speaking to this lawyer, this would have been like a notorious bad guy. He was the traitor. He was the one who was no longer like, uh, in the religious in crowd. Um, right. So the Samaritan is immediately, um, when he interjects that name, that person into this story, this lawyer would have been offended by the presence of this, this individual's name. Mm. There's a whole thousand year background as to why this is the case. And I think we'll jump into that a, a lot more in the next episode to really give you a lot more depth as to the whole history behind it. But for time's sake, I, I would say, I mean, this is the bad guy. This is not the hero of the story. This is the bad guy in, in the minds of the lawyers. He listens to this Samaritan's not the, uh, the figure that this lawyer would want to hear yeah for sure. think like the person that you see down walking down the sidewalk and you're walking towards them and you kind of like move over just a little bit because they look a little more rough or you just don't want to mess with this guy and it's that is how the levites would look at this samaritan yeah they would have the same type of feeling yeah that kind of uh, person. Uh, spot on I, I thought worth just expounding just a little bit yeah it means and, a lot to this story for sure. Yeah. And like Matt said, we'll get into it um, in the next episode. So stay tuned for that. But definitely looked at as an enemy and someone we would try to stay away from. So I would say for, for our listeners, you know, insert your person there uh, that maybe that you're trying to stay away from looks different from you, um, is different from you in many ways, but but also more more than that, like an actual enemy. Anyhow, so... Then we kind of get into uh, the caring for this person. So, uh, again, I think interesting, He first he, bounds, he binds up his wounds, which, again, during this day and, and time frame is kind of in line with how you would treat people. You would bind up their wound, and by doing so, you would pour in uh, some oil um, and some wine and then use, like, wool strips to actually, like, take care of the wound and, and bandage the wound, if you will. And I'm going to pass it to John here again, trying not to get too much in depth, but John, what do you kind of think of when you first read this? It's kind of backwards, right? You would think he would pour in the oil and wine first, right? Yeah. So if you look at, I love the Bible because every word has a meaning and every comma has a meaning and the way stories are lined up and the way sentences are, are put together, it has a meaning. So if you know anything about old school holistic care, they would put oil and wine in the oil would be almost like a neosporin Hmm. and the wine would be like the antiseptic, your peroxide type deal. And wine was also used for like upset stomach. So this dude was pretty beat up. So that could have been a deal. Oil obviously has a lot of fat. So that could have been like, he could have been, you know, he didn't know how long he was laying there. So if you look at this as a physical thing, we're going to talk about other, the other meaning to this. Hmm. And I just had this, crazy moment while you're sitting there i cannot wait till we hit this again (laughs) but yeah so he could have been giving him oil for food and wine for an upset stomach but regardless i want everybody to when you read this read how it's set up the sentence is set up with the commas commas mean like we're we're stopping an action and then moving on to a new action or we're separating things we're always separating things 
if it was bound up his wounds with oil and wine and bandages, that would make sense to me as he took care of the the cut or the, the scrape or the, the wounds. But when it says bound up his wounds, comma, pouring in oil and wine, I mean, we could look at that in two ways, but it we'll get into it and I, I'm excited to get there, but I... So yeah, I'm excited. I'll, I'll keep Let's going. Get to it. Yeah, uh, go, go. <laughs> I'll keep going. Um, but hopefully, our listeners are are definitely intrigued. Um, so stay tuned for for the next episode. But uh, kind of continuing on in our our breakdown of this parable, our wrap up. Um, so we're on the third encounter. Uh, we've talked about the Samaritan and him being kind of an enemy, and we're getting into the actions. So he he bounds the wounds, pours oil and wine on this man and then um he sets him on his own animal the bible just says beast it doesn't specify whether it was a donkey camel or horse perhaps but you know i i think uh going in depth there trying not to go too much into the next episode but i think it's important it's pretty inconvenient right like super inconvenient think about uh, a modern day comparison you've just had your car detailed or your truck detailed we're in georgia Everybody's got these uh, these nice lifted trucks. They probably don't off road in them. <laughs> um, <laughs> but any, anyhow, like they've just gotten the truck detailed, and now you set this like bloody mess uh, of a human being, if you will, uh, in that back seat and just completely ruin your your vehicle. There's much to go in, in or, depth. Or there. you gave him your vehicle and then kept walking. Yeah, absolutely. He put him into it. So if you're driving down the road, you see this bad car accident happen. Yeah. Instead of you hopping in with that that person, you give him the keys to your car and you're just like, I'll get there when I get there. Yeah. I mean that's uh it's like we like we've been talking about throughout this whole parable, there's there's profound meaning in really each sentence <laughs> as yeah. we've as we've found. So he sets he sets the Jew on his own animal and then he continues to go the extra mile if you will and he brings this man to a, a local inn that was that was nearby there's things to go in depth with this local inn as well there's basically two kinds of inns um, in that day and age one of them was really just you do everything yourself um, and the other was you know you actually had an innkeeper to kind of help take care of you, bring you some food and some wine and some water. I think it's important to note that this is the latter, right? Like he's, he's bringing this man to an inn, uh, where someone could also take care of him and look after him, uh, while this Samaritan, you know, could then go about his, his business and his appointments. Right. So he takes him to this inn and he says to the innkeeper, he says, you know, take care of this man. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and pay you in advance for taking care of this man. The Bible says he took out two pence. So I'm not sure, you know, what the comparison would be to today's money, um, monetarily speaking. But we do know that two pence is a fair amount of money. So yeah. I don't know yeah. what the uh, modern was, day comparison it would be, the, but it is it's quite a bit of money. It's comparable to two months. Two months worth of hotel stay. Oh, yes, two yeah. months. So imagine putting somebody up at the Double Tree, <laughs> uh, a local, a very like very good local hotel. Like I said, it's not the first in. Uh, that I had mentioned before probably would have been cheaper. So maybe like your Motel 8, your Motel 6, yeah. um, you know, a dirty kind of place. This is this is your nicer hotel uh, that he put this man in. And he says, I want you to take care of this man. If you see any need arise, 
or you're spending more money than I've given you in this two pence, when I come back to check on this man, I'm going to repay you whatever you spent. So super important there in wrapping this up. So our three encounters are, are complete at this point. Um, in verse 36 and 37, Jesus basically asked the lawyer and he says, now of these three encounters, what do you think represents uh, the best? Like who, who is the neighbor that did the best? And in verse 37, he says, and again, words mean things. Words are super important. As we, as we read this verse specifically, this man answers Jesus and he doesn't say the Samaritan, Mm -hmm. which again, we'll expound on in the next episode. He just kind of says the man that showed mercy, right? The man that like did the deed. Um, and he keeps it super vague. So I think probably again, foreshadowing where his heart was and, you know, we got to think these are the Samaritans and the, and the Jews, they're, they're enemies, right? So like, again, uh, super important there that he doesn't even name the guy. Jesus says to this man, this lawyer, go and do thou likewise, or go and do what I have commanded you to do from this parable. Um, anyway, that's kind of our wrap up before we close this episode out. Just, just John, you have a takeaway, just a main takeaway before we get into the next episode. Yeah. So moving forward, I can't wait to go from 34 to 37. Oh, yeah. Meat and potatoes. Um, yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, it really is the meat and potatoes. But I, I think we learned this when we were studying Genesis, is that every word has a meaning. Mm-hmm. Every every comma period is there for a reason. And then I like that you did add at the end, they he, wouldn't, he was so angry. <clears throat> I like how we're going to do this, and we'll probably get better at it, is like paint trying to paint you guys a picture. But this man looking at Jesus and saying, you know, how do I get there? And if you're so smart, basically, if you're so smart, then how do I get, then Jesus gives him this picture of something that he hates Mm -hmm. and he just, he, he literally cannot uh, accept the fact that a guy, Jesus, who is saying that, you know, who is doing all these miracles and stuff is basically, he knows it. I think the lawyer knows that Jesus is God or, you know, he has, he has, he's better than the lawyer and what's killing him the most is that he has to accept that a Samaritan is doing better than him. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Keywords being like has to. Like yeah. He's, yeah. He's he com- has to. He's compelled to answer yeah. that of well, of course it's the third guy, right? It, it's the third encounter is the best among those. But uh, like he's the key word there I think is like he's compelled, right? Yeah. Like he, he, he he doesn't want to, to say that yeah. it's the third encounter, but he knows that he has to. He, he doesn't want to say, but he refuses to say the Samaritan. Yeah, and, and we've we've lost like in today's day, like we've lost communication with other people. We're just so everything's like LOL, BRB, like it's so small. But at this point in the world, words mean things. They're the wording that is being put on in just this parable between Jesus and the lawyer. It's almost like a tit for tat but every time this guy's trying to like one up jesus and mm. he, he just can't get yeah. he can't get beyond it because he, he doesn't know it but he's fighting he's fighting god <laughs> oh for sure matt matt yeah, what do you key, got key takeaway just or just something that like maybe jumped out to you without like hopping too much into the next episode that, that's the trick is t- not hopping too much yeah. right <laughs> i i think i think um one thing i would just say for the listeners is uh, obviously moving forward to the next episode we're going to start diving deeper almost verse by verse and like really getting a, a more historical understanding of this so that we can 
pull from that our applications and our, our observations that'll lead to our applications, right? I think something I, I, I was doing when I was studying this is I was trying to put myself in, in a position. Like, who am I in this story? Am I, am, I the, am I the priest who doesn't care? Am I the Levite who kind of cares but doesn't do any action? Am I the good Samaritan? I mean, I think that's definitely Jesus, God himself, would be the Samaritan in this story, most likely. I, I, I try and figure out who, who we are in the story or who we should be in the story. Yeah. And I, honestly, I think who I am in the story is the guy who got beat up and left on the side of the road, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I think just trying to find who you are mm-hmm. as we go through this and what the story really represents and how, how what we can take from that um, is kind of where I've been, I've been focusing my attention on. I think that's kind of an yeah. important piece of this, too. No, and I think with every parable, everything that you're reading in the Bible, the church that Nate and I go to, I think the pastor does a good job of who are you? Like we're going through Revelation, the churches are you and what church are you? Now I've heard that a few times. Like I I do try to go through it and okay, put myself in that position. Who am I? We're going to talk about a goal for the month, the month of March and what we're trying to get it accomplished and then we want to set that goal out for you guys so that's a pretty good segue Mm -hmm. as you'll hear in the last episode we're going to try to give you guys a goal to get for the next month um but this one should be fun and try to start it already so we're going to see how it pans out so this is exciting i'm just so stoked yeah like this (laughs) is just too cool but yeah it's good stuff bro so we'll uh we'll see you guys next next episode Thank you so much for joining us. Get out there and be fishers of men. If you have any questions or comments, email us at backpewbiblestudy at gmail.com. Have a good day. Butterfly in the sky. I can go twice as high. Take a look. It's in a book. A reading around.